house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Final few minutes here on the Sports Cage this afternoon. If you want to connect with the show, you can always call 1-866-767-0620. You can text us on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line, 306-936-6262. Maz and Ryan McNally joined now by rider legend Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Suits so far in free agency, what grade would you give the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Are we B, B plus, are we A, are we A plus? Eight signings so far today. Yeah, I would say A minus uh, at this point and and pushing that A A plus. Um, this is this is a, a real good day for Saskatchewan. You know, I mean some of the, the teams that struggled last year have to be more aggressive in free agency especially with this many players available every year. Uh, but to get I, – I thought A.J. Ouellette was one of the top guys. Matthew Betts, who's a Detroit Lion. Now, um, you know, Jamarcus Hardrick certainly is a huge one. But I, th- I thought Ouellette, just just the, the attitude – um, the putting, you know, putting the team first, all the way he approaches the game, his physicality. I, I just think he was one of the top guys in free agency and for the riders to get him locked down. Jameer Thurman is an excellent one. And so is Malik Carney. So, you know, I, again, uh, and I know I'm missing a few there. I think uh, Jalen Edwards Cooper is an excellent signing as well. Starters, across the board for most of those guys. And then a couple of good uh, special teamers, guys you can sub through the defense and Herdman Reed. So, you know, I, I, I think it's a, a great day for Saskatchewan. And I'm not surprised that they went out and got real aggressive. So one of your, your former teammate, Jeff Harrow, we had him on the show yesterday, and he had talked about Jalen Edwards Cooper. He said he was in Vancouver watching a game, and you and him obviously see football differently because you played. And he said, nobody threw at that guy. He said, this is one of the best sneaky underrated signings, if it goes through, that Ryder Nation's going to be in love with because this guy is good. Just that, you, you know this, if you're a good DB, they don't know your name. We never talk about you on TV. Only when things are bad do we know the name on your back uh, when you're playing that position. We talked to him earlier in the show today. He sounds fired up. He said, this is like a college album. This is, this is something he wanted, and he said he's ready to bring it. And he still wants to be an unknown, but he said everyone in Ryder Nation is going to know who he is after a few weeks. Well, yeah, once, once you sign as a free agent and leave your team, you're sort of your original team, I, I, I think the, the spotlight hits you pretty hard. I mean, the, you know, you, that's your first half of your next season which for Jalen Edwards Cooper will be this coming season with your new team is, is huge because people, all eyes are on you. You change, you you've left your original team. You're, you're moving on as a free agent, got some extra money and, and now you've got to live up to it. So I, I agree with Jeff though, with his assessment of, of his play. You know, I think when you have a guy like TJ Lee in your, in your backfield, that guy gets so much publicity that a lot of the other guys are sort of uh, maybe overlooked when it comes to just, you know, engagement from the media. But 
uh, a fantastic starter on, in the in the defensive backfield. And and you know what? You're you're right. If you're not talking a lot about those guys, that means they're playing really well. You know, I I thought it, it's been an interesting day, though. I mean, Demarcus Hardwick still has a lot of football left in him, and I I think what and I listened to his interview with you guys. It was excellent. He's real excited, and and that's important. But what what he brings, and we talked about this last week, that I think is sort of like the Nick Hebler effect back in the old days when he joined our team just before the '89 run. Demarcus Hardwick brings a championship pedigree with him like a a guy who can go into the locker room just outside of his great skill and talent and dominance on the field but in the locker room he also can go to that old line and say guys we're doing all the right things or if they're not doing the right things he can say hey we got to do more of xyz to get to where we need to be and if something comes up in the middle of the season you know, one player goes off in a different direction or something, Hardrick can pull him back in because he's got that great resume behind him and all the championship appearances. So I, I just think, you know, those are some things that you don't necessarily measure throughout a season, but they're huge. And Jameer Thurman brings a little of that too. But, but out of all the guys, uh, Jamarcus Hardrick's been to how many great cups now? Uh, four, one, two, yeah. seven years of dominance. Now, it, it, you you would know because you've been in the locker room. Was the lack of accountability maybe over the past two years with the Riders, was that evident to you that a guy like a Jamarcus Hardrick, the Jameer Thurman, they can change that? They can pull a guy aside and say, hey, you need to be better because we all need to be better, but you got to get your act together. Was that what was kind of missing? Fairholm thought that. He thought that there was you needed some of those glue guys to to get the team in the right spot. Coaches can't do everything. No, it's true. You know, I, I think, you know, Larry Dean was one of those guys and there and there were a couple like in the in the rider locker room, but you those guys have to be working in tandem. And I'll take this conversation even a little further than maybe Jeff did, that they have to be in working in tandem with the coaches. Not that they're in coaches' meetings and then they go and they talk to the team. Obviously they would almost be looked at as not traders, that's the wrong way to say it. But, you know, you, you don't want to make it look like you're just an extension of the coach. But the coach has to back up what some of those veteran leaders are doing by their decisions. So if, if for instance, let's just say, and I, I don't know that this happened, so don't, don't think that I, this is inside information, but let's just hypothetically say that there was an incident in the locker room, Larry Dean went to fix it or talk to the players involved with it, uh, he felt like it wasn't going to get fixed because of a certain attitude, and the coach doesn't do anything, and he leaves that guy in the locker room way too long. And and I will say not just the coach, but the coach and GM together. Because sometimes the coach wants to make a change, and the GM doesn't have anybody behind him to, to go and fill that spot. So, uh, you know, I, I think when, when it's working together and both the the coaching staff and the leaders are looking at it the same way are, are they have the same mindset in building the culture, then you have a chance to really do it because you weed out the problem child. You, you read the, weed those guys out of your locker room. If they don't get the message, 
and uh, from the veterans. So, yeah, I, I think Hardrick can get that, that ball started. Jameer Thurman certainly can. I think A.J. Olette will be uh, a guy that does it through example, just how he approaches the game and how he plays and practices. And so, you're, you know, you're going to see that leadership, you know, there – and now the coaching staff has to work together to make sure if there's any of those issues where guys aren't being accountable and they're going off on their own agendas, that you weed those guys out. But I think with Mace, does that even just with his style and what he brings, is that not even going to be an option from day one? Like there is only one way to go. There's only one way we're doing it in Rider Nation. And you're in, if you're in, you're in. And if you're out, you're out now. Because I don't think he's the type of guy that, I don't, I don't think there's two sets of rules. I think it's one way and everybody's in. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, you know, I, I think him as an assistant, which is not quite the same pressure and same dynamic, uh, has proven that. And some of these free agents, you know, if, if you get them in a one-on-one, they'll probably tell you that Corey Mace being the head coach was a big reason for them signing with Saskatchewan. Although you don't need many other reasons other than it's just such a great place to play with the crowd and the, the stadium and everything else that happens in Saskatchewan. But when you win, when you win, okay, you, you know this, when everything's good in Ryderville and we're on a hot streak, no better place in the world to live. A few yeah, w, a few a few L's, yeah, a few L's put together, not necessarily. And you would know. I'm sure your your inbox and your Twitter feed could probably. I I would hate to see what that looks like some some days. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still I still get that occasionally as a as a broadcaster, believe it or not. But as a player, I figured out after I retired that passion when you're losing and having people be upset about it is better than indifference. Yes. I would 100% agree. Okay, so we just found out, I just read on Twitter, Evan Johnson is signing with the Hamilton Ticats. Nice signing for them. And I want to ask you about this, because when Jamal Morrow was here as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, there was nothing wrong with Jamal Morrow, his effort, his attitude, seemed like a great team guy out in the community, couldn't have been a better rider. But for whatever reason, just... Did there what, what was the missing piece to be like, you know what, I think we're going to have to try and go somewhere else without a Jamar Moore? Because we found out he signed in Calgary about an hour ago, it was announced. What's your take on him? Mm-hmm. I think he's a fantastic back. I, I, you know, part of it was the commitment, the mindset from the coaching staff, the commitment to the run. I mean, you know, Brady Oliveira in Winnipeg is my best example. I mean, when Buck Pierce will he will stick with Brady because Brady is the heartbeat of that offense. And and they have a an, an MOP quarterback, but their their offense sort of sets the tone with the run game and with Brady Oliveira. And, and even if he's catching little swing passes or screens. And it's the way he approaches. Everyone kind of follows along with them. I mean it'll be interesting to talk to Jamarcus Hardrick about his influence and what AJ Olette in that same type of role. Cause they're very similar, similar guys. They're very physical guys. They, they take the physicality to the defense rather than just being tackled. And, and that's not a, a slight against moral more is a different type of guy. Um, but I, I think it was a combination to answer your question last year that the, the coaching staff just would abandon it at times. Didn't think of it and that position as a key, 
um, offensive weapon, really, and thought to win games, they're going to have to spread the ball out to all their receivers and, and not necessarily go to him consistently. That, to me, is is got to be part of it. And I... You know, I'm sure Corey Mays playing against these great running backs and having a guy like Andrew Harris and Olette right there in his same locker room for these last couple of years is, is you know, is is a good sign that he will be committed and make sure that Larry Mueller is committed to, or excuse me, um, Mark Mueller. Mark Mueller. Is committed <laughs> to the, yes, is committed to the... Well, um, da- Dad's committed, committed to, to, yeah. I think Dad's probably committed to, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Suits, I wanted to ask, it, it's been, uh, you know, obviously just day one here in uh, free agent frenzy here in uh, CFL land, but uh, what are what are maybe one or two holes that you'd like to see the riders address here uh, for the rest of the free agency period? Well, I know it's sort of reach for the sky stuff, but Tim White's still available. And, you know, uh, I, I know that there's costs involved, and he's a top guy. I mean, Matthew Betts, Tim White, A.J. Olette, those were sort of top guys before they signed. And, um, you know, I, unless something's happened in the last hour, I, I think Tim White is still out there. Um, you know, I have to go through the list again because it's changing pretty quickly. But, uh, but as Tim, far as, Tim White know, at 300 grand, that- though? Like, would you, like, Sorry? honestly, like, if you're, because what the, I guess what came out from three down today was Tim White wants 300 grand a season. Is, is there a 300 grand wide receiver in the CFL this season? And if it is, is it Tim White? Like, I don't, I don't know, but that's a lot to invest into one guy. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not doing that deal. So no. I, it's, it's not, it's not bringing Tim White uh, at any price. It's, it's if he gets to day three or four and the price starts coming down a little bit, if, if that's accurate at 300,000 is what he wants, then no, I mean, we've seen that with other teams where they go big on receivers and Edmonton did that. You know, they, they go in free agency, big on receiver and, and they have quarterback (laughs) issues. Yeah. They they go big on receiver, light on quarterback. And then look what ends up happening. Uh, you know, or, or light on O line and they have to rebuild that or light on and don't have a running back. And, you know, so you, you can't overspend for a receiver. Well, for anyone really, but you can't overspend for a receiver for sure. But, you know, again, he's, you know, he's just such a talented guy. If, if that price can work somewhere and goes down a little bit, um, you know, uh, I'd be looking at him. I, I was going to say O-line would be a, a target for Saskatchewan, but I'm not sure that there's, you know, you might, you might want to build to the draft and stuff there now based on what who's left in the O-line after Hardrick signed. Is Trevor Harris, you still think he's got some good football left in him? I mean, listen, that was an unfortunate injury, and obviously the season changed last year uh, when that happened. I mean, just to see the look on his face when that card came out. But... uh is that still, if he's healthy, he's still he's still our guy. He's uh, he's going to lead us to where we need to be. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of fans that are concerned with that, but I, I I would say you know for a lot of guys at his age and with this injury, you would be more concerned than you should be when it comes to Trevor Harris because. I've had so many conversations with Trevor 
and and his discipline in training, in nutrition, in physio, in all that he does as a pro is off the charts. It's it's kind of like Brady-ish. Remember when he was talking about all his supplements and the things that he does and his 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 training regime and that TB twelve diet, from, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. All that stuff. Well, Trevor Harris is that guy. I mean, he's he's the same guy. He's got the quick release. He's he's got the great recognition. He processes and finds receivers. His accuracy is still there. So, to answer your question, absolutely, can he lead this team to a championship season? And it looked this team looked very different before he got hurt. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we 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 did, and like this is this is good, and we had a chance, and then everything. But then once that happened, it just seemed that the uh, uh, the wheels fell off. Because yeah, we've we a lot of other things, but yeah, with still the quarterback position, which you can't forget, is still one of the uh, the, the most. It's funny you mentioned Tom Brady and with the TB12 diet, and I don't know if you saw the commercial yet. Tom Brady and his. Um, <laughs> His Dunkin' Donuts Super Bowl commercial, where he's one of the Dung Kings with Ben Affleck and uh, and Matt Damon. Uh, it's hilarious. Suits were the TV opportunities there for you, like for Tom Brady when you retired from the game. Like, was your agent fielding calls to be doing? It would have been Robin's Donuts probably at the time, and I don't know what casinos were open. But what were you getting offered up when you decided to hang up the cleats finally? Yeah, I, I turned down so many donut commercials. No, I. <laughs> no, I. It's a different beast, isn't it? And uh, you know, I watched all those commercials, and they're great. And you know, the Super Bowl. I, I, I just thought last week. I, you guys know that I don't ever make predictions, but going into the game last week, I, I said to Sean that I would make a prediction on the Super Bowl, and I, I took the Chiefs, and I said if. Travis Kelsey has a big game, the Chiefs win. And if uh, Christian McCaffrey has a big game, the the 49ers can upset the Chiefs because I, I thought it was still the Chiefs that should be favored because of their pedigree and because of their quarterbacking. And, hey, listen, I, I, was, I, I was impressed by Brock Purdy, but he just doesn't quite yet have that sense of urgency in the red zone that he needs in a championship game. But Kelsey gets – Almost a hundred yards in the second half. I know. So for like, a half, in the first in the first quarter, there was one uh, one catch for one yard, and obviously his freak out on the sideline. Okay, that that's where a lot of people are like, "Listen, man, we get it. Like you're into it, and but you don't. Like, have you ever seen that before? Where a player's pushing a coach because that crossed the line for a lot of people to be like, you just you yeah, don't. Do I, that. I I have seen it. I have seen it. It's it's not good. It's obviously not good. And I understand his frustration, but we, you know, we in the in the media, especially guys that are covering the game, have got to stop saying that it's just being competitive to do things like that. Because then kids believe that to be competitive, I need to go and yell at my coach. And what that takes them is to a place on the bench, or even worse, they get cut. So you know, I, it was it was not good. And Kelsey was out there, and he was getting checked. He was there. He they were covering down on Kelsey in the first half. I was watching. I thought the telecast should have shown us Kelsey trying to get open when they were struggling in the first half, and they were behind on the scoreboard. And then they showed him, and they got to it in the second half when he started making catches. But I thought that it was as big a story that 
the 49ers defensively were taking him out of the game. Yes. And then McCaffrey early on had his fumble. That didn't help their cause when they were down in scoring position a couple of times and didn't get points. So, you know, I maybe I should do more predictions. I don't know. <laughs> I, I should have put, I should have put money on it, gentlemen. <laughs> hey, listen, there's enough uh, gambling apps out there. and I'm sure you could probably still call your agent to be like, listen. <laughs> All of these places have funds for guys like me that can go on these radio stations and give my bowl predictions and get people to sign up and uh, to drop some hard-earned money. Uh, what was it, the FanDuel thing where Gronkowski was kicking before the game and he missed the field goal, so everybody that picked missed shared in the $10 million pot? Uh, and I'm like, okay, so there's some dollars there. It was funny, it was the tale of two halves. San Fran looked uh, totally in control in the first half, and then whatever Chris Jones said to the defense in the second quarter, and we saw it because they showed the replay when he gathered everybody up. From there, the game changed, and then the Kansas City Chief defense that from December on showed up, and then it was game. And you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid because they are like Brady and Belichick. When the games are on the line and it matters, they now have that pedigree is they just don't lose. They just don't lose. And now, what's that, Kyle Shanahan? Is that 0-3 or 0-4 in these big games that he's blown leads when it matters most? That's yeah, the yeah, side of history you, know, you don't we, want to be on. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I I was also looking at, you know, it was it was it was a weird dynamic because I've always said as a broadcaster that if it's a one score game, so one possession game, either three or four or whatever, um, and a game that goes to overtime is always a good game because all the fans are engaged on both sides. So they're engaged from the start and the kickoff all the way to the end. Well, in the kickoff in the NFL, it doesn't matter. But the all the way to the end. And so when you think of that as a general rule, this should have been considered just a fantastic game. But yet, it it really wasn't. I mean, in the second half, there it, it took five offensive series combined by the two teams to get one first down. <laughs> In the second half, they were at the like the eight minute mark of the third quarter before they got one first down either team. So again, you know, you could say, well, that's great defensive play, and I I often try to take the narrative that way. But um, it just didn't have a lot of big plays. The one double pass by the Forty ers in fact, I think there was a penalty that they didn't call. <laughs> but uh, there was a lineman downfield, I believe, and uh, that's against the rules. So. Anyway, I, I just, it was a weird dynamic because in general you think, hey, an overtime game is a great game, period. Uh, but it, it didn't feel like that for a big part of it. So no. it, was, it was a weird one. But again, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I, don't bet, I wouldn't bet against Brady back then, and I, and I certainly wouldn't bet against Mahomes now. Well, Suits is 1 0, making predictions. Suits, as always, we appreciate the insight. <laughs> You're, that's why you're the best, and that's why we have you here on the Sports Cage. It's Glenn Suter for Quality Tire, nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Uh, hey, if you missed any part of the cage today, if you missed the Jalen Edwards-Cooper interview or the Jamarcus Hardrick interview, you can always grab it on our podcast. We'll have that up on the social channels uh, in just a little bit, at Sports Cage on both Facebook and I still call it Twitter, X, if you will, that'll do it. It's the sports cage uh, for this Tuesday afternoon. Have a good night.